you're really, 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 I haven't seen you guys much since we started that series. What do y'all think about it? I'm telling you, has it changed your life? It changed mine. I'll tell you when I really started studying about judging. I know I've kept saying that it's been this many years, but how many of you ladies remember in the marriage meeting when I talked about um, Ananias and Sapphira and that she didn't have to hook up with him, that she at that point in time had to make the judgment for herself? Do you remember that? That was when, before I started to teach for that marriage meeting, that long ago was when the Lord really started dealing with me. That's been a few years ago about teaching on that. And it's been year after year after year. And I tell you, it, it sets us up for our future. And how many of you's future you can already see brighter because of you cutting out some of that judging stuff? telling you. Well, I think this goes right along with it. I didn't tell him to put it in the series because I don't know that it needs to be, but I think for us as a church, it goes right along with it. And I taught on it several years ago, but the Lord said, get it back out because it means something different now to them. So we're going to teach on it and it's called Wisdom's Ways. Wisdom's Ways. So let's just read, we're going to read some word, which Keith will be really happy with this morning. And uh, you'll be happy with because it'll plant something in you after hearing all the judging stuff. You know, when you grow a little bit, you understand things differently than you did before. So Proverbs 4. And I need to tell you something. I wasn't going to do it, but I think I, I should. You know, I taught on, what, two Sundays ago about homeschooling. And I went home that afternoon. Well, I went straight home. And uh, I just threw across my bed, and I began to weep because it bothered me so much because I could just feel the resistance, you know, from so many in the crowd. Well, I didn't go straight to my bed. I had to go let my pups out first. (laughs) But anyway, I, I, I began to weep because you could just sense the resistance from people. And I asked the Lord about it. I said, Lord, did I miss it? Did I miss it talking about that? Was that just just me? And um, he asked me a question. Now, I don't mean he appeared to me in the room or anything like that, but he asked me a question. And he said, Phyllis, when you started in the ministry, when you and Keith started in the ministry 30-plus years ago, were there credit cards and things? How many of you have seen on the news recently where... They just passed this law where the new chip is in the credit cards. And it's got to have that and it runs into this machine. And, you know, you're barely even going to have to swipe. I mean, it's going to be a totally different thing. And it's a chip now in the credit card to pick it up. And was that even existent 30 years ago? It was kind of like... No, you had to get, write a check for everything you did. And it was, you know, how many of you remember, you know? It wasn't no such thing as that. And I said, well, no. And he said, um, and what about the thought, even the thought 30 years ago when you got started in the ministry of about the possibility of there being anything remotely that could possibly be the number on your forehead or the number on your hand 30 years ago. And I thought, well, Lord, no. 
Not 30 years ago. Nobody did. You wrote a check, and you had to have your signature on a signature card, or they'd reject it at the bank, right? And I thought, well, Lord, no. And I'm thinking, what in the world does that have to do with what I taught today about homeschooling? And I thought, wait, you, God, you got way off track. You missed what I asked you. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, do you think the people, the kids that are learning technology in the world today are getting dumber about technology and about how to manipulate the systems of technology and all this stuff to put those numbers and things in your forehead and in your hand? And I said, no way. Now, Rob's sitting right here, and I didn't know he was going to be sitting here today. Rob, how much of your time does it take just building resistance things to keep people from attacking us? Up to 40% of his time is just spent keeping people from attacking the ministry. This is what the Lord told me. And I went, oh. He said, do you know why the devil wants to keep our children out of the world system and schools and learning? So it can keep them blind and dumb in how to deal with the technologies of the world. To be able to have an answer for that going into your forehead and going into your hand for us to be able to live during that time. You got a better answer for it? And I thought, Lord, I'm sorry. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And we'll be ready for any attacks that the devil throws at us. Because we as the church will be smarter then than the world. Because I was talking to a lady immediately after that and she said, I don't want my kids in school because all they're doing is teaching them all that technology stuff. And I thought, after the Lord told me that. And I thought, okay. Glory to God. Enough said about it. But do you understand it? God wants us wise and he wants us smart and he wants us to be able to attack the devil back on his own turf. I mean, this is his turf down here, guys. And he wants us to be able to stand head higher than them and be smarter than them. And he'll show us how to do it if we'll be wise. And not scared and not be in fear. We don't want to be in fear of anything in the world. We want to kick the world in the butt. B-U-T-T, butt. Because we're smarter than it. Did you have to go into the world, Rob, to learn how to do all that technology to use it for me today? You did, didn't you? Are you having to take a course almost immediately from the world in order to protect us even better? Yeah, he's hoping he can do that. He sent me the information on it the other day. In order to protect us even better, there's, what is it called? Cyber security. Now, I I can't teach you that. I love God with 
teach him that. The end of my point. Turn to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. And I won't talk about homeschooling anymore unless the Lord just says, Boom! But I did think I should tell you that. Proverbs 4, verse 5, King James. Get wisdom. Glory to God. Get understanding and forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forget her not, and she will preserve thee. Love her, and she will keep thee. Say this with me. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Right? Get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she'll promote thee. And she'll bring you to honor. When you embrace her, she'll give to your head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory and she'll deliver you. Now let's read it from another translation. Read it from the Amplified. I want you to get this wisdom stuff this morning, okay? So hang on. Don't be impatient this morning. You got nowhere to go till an hour, so. Okay. Proverbs 4, verse 5 in the Amplified. It says, get wisdom, godly wisdom, and get understanding, discernment, comprehension, and interpretation. Do not forget and do not turn your back from the words of my mouth. Forsake not wisdom and she will keep you. She will. She will do what? She will defend you. She will protect you. Wisdom can defend you. You mean you don't need a lawyer? Ooh. Okay, we'll get into that more later. Love her and she'll guard you. The beginning of wisdom is, now this is kind of cute. The beginning of wisdom is getting wisdom. (laughs) Skillful and godly wisdom. For skillful and godly wisdom is the principal thing. And with all you've gotten, getting wisdom and discernment and comprehension and interpretation. Verse 8, prize wisdom, highly exalt her, and what? Read that next part with me. She will exalt and promote you. Who's going to do that? Wisdom. Hmm. And she'll bring you to honor when you embrace her. And she'll give to your head a wreath of gracefulness and a crown of beauty, and glory will she deliver to you. Now, who's going to do all this? Your spouse. Huh? Your boss. Huh? Then why are so many people trying to get these people to do it for them? Why are they getting mad at that person because that person is not the one doing it for them? They're getting upset with their spouse because they don't recognize all the things that they do. And they're not promoting them or exalting them or glorifying them. When what did it say would do that for them? Wisdom. Wisdom. 
Wisdom. Let's read it out of the Living Bible. Learn to be wise and develop good judgment and common sense. I cannot overemphasize this point. Cling to wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And with your wisdom, develop common sense and good judgment. And if you exalt wisdom, what will happen? If you will 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 exalt wisdom, what will happen? Hmm. Does that mean you have to think about being wise? If you'll exalt wisdom, what will happen to you? You ever feel like nobody ever noticed you? You ever feel like nobody cared if you existed? You ever felt like it didn't matter if you were alive, that nobody even would notice if you died where you were today? Don't raise your hand. Everybody's felt that way at one time or another. But why would you feel that way? Because you hadn't been exalting wisdom. Wisdom. You're going to see this real clear before we get finished today. Say this with me. I will will exalt wisdom. wisdom. I will will exalt exalt wisdom. If you exalt wisdom, wisdom is going to... Exalt me. Say it now. Wisdom will exalt me if I exalt wisdom. I don't want you to forget that. Okay? Because everybody feels like nobody cares about them. Nobody, they can do something for somebody and nobody will do anything for them. I give and give and give. What do they expect of me? Well... You exalt wisdom, wisdom will show you how to be exalted. Okay? We'll keep talking about it. All right? The thing about wisdom is there's two kinds of wisdom. And what people have been doing is they've been exalting the wrong kind of wisdom. Ouch! Now pull your feet underneath your chair for a little while till we get to the right kind of wisdom. Because I'm afraid I'm going to step on some toes this morning. Okay? All right. James 3. Unless you wore steel-toed toes, shoes, you know me. I don't pull no punches. I, don't, I do it to myself first, and then I'll do it to you. So, James 3. Verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? That's a question. Raise your hand. About a third of the crowd. 
Let's, let's read it again. Who is a wise man or woman and endued with knowledge among you? That looks better. Okay. <laughs> Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Okay. Now, these next few verses I have in gray. And the reason that I have in gray, uh, 14, 15, and 16, is because they are devilish wisdom. Okay? So we should not recognize any person in this room in this category, okay? So I don't want to see any going like this to your spouse, okay? Or any punching them or any rolling your eyes at them during these next four verses, okay? All right, or three verses. Okay, but if you have any bitter envying or strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. For wisdom descendeth not from above... For this wisdom descends not from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where there is envying and strife and confusion, a strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Now that's devilish wisdom. Where there's strife, where there's strife, Where there's strife, that's devilish wisdom. Now, I'm not going to have you raise your hand in here this morning about how many people have been around strife in the last 24 hours. Because strife is the manifest presence of the devil. And in order to have strife, we have got to be judging somebody else. And that's what I'm talking about on this wisdom. We don't want to have devilish wisdom conjoined with strife and judging. We should have learned by now that we want godly wisdom. This devilish wisdom sets us up for having the very same thing in the future. If there's strife in our lives, it's because we have judged someone and it's devilish wisdom. Why does it make it devilish wisdom? Because it sets your calendar up for the future. That's what makes it the devilish wisdom. That's why I said we needed to teach this again today. I have taught it before, but we didn't understand it clear enough. The devilish wisdom about it is, is because if you're going to be in strife with somebody and you're going to judge them, the devilish wisdom says, I have to get my part out. I have to have my say. It's worth the strife right now. It's worth whatever it takes for me to have my say. That's devilish wisdom. Because that's judging them in thinking they don't understand. If they could just see it. But that's not what matters. The devilish wisdom is that you have to get your part out and make them see it. So you stay in the strife long enough to make them see it. But if there's strife, that means there's devilish wisdom. Does that make sense to you? 
anything that would, would promote any strife, even if you're right. Do you understand that even if you're 100% right, that wisdom that would promote strife, even to prove that you are right, Do you understand that? It's promoting strife is devilish wisdom because it is setting you up for the future to have to deal with the very same thing. Somebody is going to get up in your face and they're going to say, Chad, you don't understand. You, don't, you just don't get it. You don't under, you got to understand. That's still strife. Any way you cut it, that's devilish wisdom. The thing about it is, if they don't see it, guess what? They don't see it. And you yelling and screaming at them for another 45 minutes or 4 hours or 16 days is not going to make them see it. That's where the devilish wisdom comes in. You trying to make them see it is not going to make them see it or understand it. There's only one person that can pull a light switch in your brain. And that's the Lord. But in the process of you doing that, what happens is you judge them. There's no way that you can stand there and yell at them for 45 minutes or two days or four days without judging them and saying, how stupid are you, Chad? Right? There's no way you can do it without saying, you don't understand. So how can that not be devilish wisdom? And that's what the devil wants us to fall into. We as church people should never, never, never give an inch to devilish wisdom. Because it sets up our future for people to do that very same thing to us. And it might not be about something going on with your spouse. It'll be about that thing that's a lawsuit. And it'll be that they don't understand. They don't see it. They don't. Why can't I make them see that that's not what I did? Why can't can't they understand that that wasn't my heart? Well, because about five years ago, you spent 14 days with your spouse trying to make her see that's not the way you want her to do that. And she didn't understand it, but you still spent 14 days with her trying to make her see it and caused strife for 14 days. And God's like, that's devilish wisdom. That's strife. Trust me. Peace. Peace. Because anything that's causing strife is? Let me read it to you again so you get it. Devilish wisdom. Look at it. You got your Bibles? Look at it. Who doesn't have a Bible in here? I want you to see it. Raise your hand. Our ushers has got some extra ones. Look at it in the Bible. See that I'm not making it up. James 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, what is that? Glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above. Well, if it doesn't descend from above, where does it descend from? But it is earthly, sensual, and what? Devilish. 
For where there's envying and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. So it doesn't matter how long you try to get your spouse to understand it, what's there going to be? Confusion. And every evil work. So the best thing that you can do is go, hmm? You know, it's, duct tape is really sticky. You know? And when you start in that strife, you'd be so much better off in taking some of it and putting it across your mouth. Because then you can't yield to that devilish strife. And the more you stop yourself from yielding to it, the quicker you'll be out of that situation and the sooner it'll go away and the less you'll yield to it as time goes. Because even, say this with me, even if I'm right, right. I'm wrong in yielding to strife. Do you see that? That's devilish wisdom. Devilish wisdom. 17. Verse 17. Now here comes the godly wisdom. The godly wisdom. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then peaceable. Then gentle. And easy to be entreated. What's these next words? Full of mercy. And good fruit, without partiality, and without hypocrisy, like you've never done anything wrong. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. Of them that make peace. Now, is there a difference between those two things? That godly wisdom and that devilish wisdom. Even though you are right, this is what you're supposed to sow. The godly wisdom that says you're pure and you're peaceable and you're gentle and you're easy to be entreated and you're full of mercy. It didn't say you weren't right. It didn't say you weren't 100% right in what you were saying and doing. But you're making yourself be wrong By sowing that devilish wisdom. So you become more wrong than them. Do you understand that? Let me read it to you from the Amplified. Who is there among you that is wise and intelligent? That's a question. Still people not raising their hands. Let's read it one more time to give you a chance. It's a good confession whether you think you are or not. Okay. Who is there among you that is wise and intelligent? I'd raise both my hands if I was you. Yeah, some of you are. Yeah, okay. It's a good confession. Then let him by his noble living show forth his good works with an unobtrusive humility, which which is a proper attribute of true wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and envy and contention and rivalry and selfish ambition in your hearts, selfish ambition wants to prove you're right no matter what. See, I lost my place here. Selfish ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourself on this. And thus, be in defiance and a false truth. This superficial wisdom is not such that comes down from above, but it is earthly and unspiritual and animal. And even devilish and demonical. 
For, ever, for wherever there is jealousy and envy and contention and rivalry and selfish ambition, there will also be confusion and unrest and disharmony and rebellion and all sorts of vile practices. Say, that's not me. That's not who I am. And every time you yield to that, you need to walk out of the room and you need to go into a place all by yourself and you need to sit down someplace or you need to stand someplace and you say, Devil, that's not me. That's not who I am. I don't do that. And you need to remind him of that. Just like I say the devourer's rebuke. You need to remind the devil that's not who you are. And then you need to read these next verses. Do you understand that? Don't give him place. Don't just think a thought. Step out of there and say, Devil, that's not who I am. When he causes you to do something you don't want to do, you stomp your foot and say, No, that's not me. That's not who I am. I may have yielded that for th- to that for 30 seconds, but that's not me. That's not the man inside of me. That's not who I am. And keep telling yourself, that is not me. That's not who I am. I don't do those things. That's somebody else. Try it on for size. That's not me. That's not who I am. I don't do that stuff. Feels good, doesn't it? And you need to tell the devil that often. Because he likes for us to lose our cool. He likes for us to get mad. He likes for us to stand up for our rights. Because he knows that stuff is devilish. And he knows the path that it's going to take us down. And it's not a good path because that path is flesh. When Jesus died, he could have opened his mouth and said all sorts of stuff. But we're supposed to walk as Jesus walked and let him be our defense. And if we do that, he will defend us greatly. And he will represent us better and he will honor us better than we could ever honor ourselves. But if we try to do it, we're going to mess it up royally. And we're going to look like a doofus. Because you can't make yourself look good. When you try to make yourself look good, you just sound like you're bragging on yourself and you look dumb. But when God exalts you and wisdom exalts you, you done been exalted. I'm telling you. Let me read you this now from the Amplified, the godly. The wisdom that is from above is first of all pure, undefiled. Then it is peace-loving courteous, considerate, gentle. Now, how can you be gentle yelling at your husband? What's gentle about that? You may be right. He may be 100% wrong, but you don't come out of that right stuff when you start yelling. You need to walk out and yell at yourself and say, That's that's not me. That's not who I am. That's you, devil. That's not me. That's not who I am. It is willing to yield to reason. 
It is full of compassion and good fruits. It is wholehearted and straightforward, impartial, unfeigned, free from doubts and wavering and insincerity. You don't have to doubt who God is in your life. You don't have to doubt that He's going to deal with them. You don't have to doubt that everything's going to be okay. You're free from all that. Because you're dealing with godly wisdom now. The harvest of righteousness, the conformity to God's will in thought and deed is the fruit of the seed. Sown in peace by those who work for and make peace in themselves and in others. That peace, which means concord, agreement, harmony between individuals. Now that's godly wisdom. Say, that's what I have. Godly wisdom. I make peace. Not strife, not strife, with undisturbedness. Now look at this, this last part. In a peaceful mind, free from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. Do you know when things are going on in relationships, whether it's your spouse or whether it's at your job or whether it's at your, your distant family. And it just seems to always be agitating you. It's because you continue to yield to that. If you would ever just give in to it and let God deal with them about it, it's going to quit agitating you. Some of you are going... I can't do that. Well, then it's going to eat you alive. It'll eat you alive. Because God did not set you here to judge another person's ways. Because that's what you're doing. If something is agitating you, what are you doing? You're judging something they're doing. That's agitating you. You don't like the way they're doing something. So it's agitating you. I've had people agitate me when they move too slow. That agitated me to the highest degree because I think I could have done that 12 times by now. But God said, I didn't tell you to do that, so leave them alone. And forget about that. And you do what I told you to do. And you forget about them. And when you get your little britches right, you won't have time to think about what they're doing. If you're you're studying about preaching, you ain't got time to think about what they're doing in that office today. And how slow they're doing that. And I'm like, uh, duh. Okay, God. And that's usually the way it is with people. If something's agitating them, it's because they're thinking about something somebody else is doing instead of something that they should be doing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let's read it in the New Living. It's a lot of verses, but it just explains it to you better than I can. And you know me, I don't usually give you a bunch of scriptures. That's usually Keith's part, but I think scriptures can be good. We just eat them up. James 3 in the New Living. If you're wise, so that's me, and understand God's ways, that's me, and I said wisdom's ways, so um, 
and understand God's ways, prove it. That's what it says. Prove it. That's what the Bible says. Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, that's like stabbing somebody in the back to go up higher. Do you know, just because you make somebody else look bad doesn't mean it makes you look good? I said this, I guess it was last week or the week before. You know Joseph's brothers tried to kill him and made him look bad to his dad because they were jealous? Do you know they did all that and his dad, their dad didn't love them anymore? They still, he just went into depression because he'd lost Joseph? It did not make him love them anymore because they mistreated Joseph. It actually made him love everybody less. And it can totally backfire on you when you make somebody else look bad. People are, some people are just going. <laughs> but it's still the truth. You, hurt, you cutting somebody else ain't going to make you, you look healthier. It doesn't. It doesn't help you at all. What it does look make you look like is meaner. That's what it does. Okay, here we go. Verse 14. But if you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. I didn't write this. For jealousy with selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Now that's serious. Did you know if you're stabbing somebody in the back to get a higher place, that's demonic? That's saying a lot, isn't it? I, I didn't write that. Selfish ambition is demonic. We shouldn't have to try to promote ourselves. God's a great promoter. Do you know... We don't do ourselves any favors by putting other churches down. It's not going to make our church look any better. You know that there's enough unsaved people all over the world if every church, there was a church on every corner and people went to it. We, We shouldn't put any church down. There should be people in every church around because we don't have all the answers. And everybody don't like me. <laughs> and everybody don't love Keith. Yeah, they, they just don't know me. Yeah. No, even when they get to know me, they don't like me. <laughs> to do what God says if it hair lips the devil. And I don't care what nobody thinks about it. If I think God said do it, I'm going to say, come on, let's do it. And they, a lot of people don't like that. 
they want to take Easy Street no matter what. And Easy ain't never been my street. I don't know why. But it ain't. I don't know. Okay, here we go. Verse 17. Dave says, please please find Easy Street one day. (laughs) Dave didn't know when he hooked up with us we never found Easy Street. (laughs) Glory to God. He's been faithful. Um, Let's see where we are. Uh, Verse 16. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition... You will find disorder and evil of every kind. Is there disorder in an area of your life? I'm a firm believer, and I've said it a gazillion times, so hold on to your chairs and ladies, plug your ears. But there's a structure of authority in life. God, His ministers... The minister should be listening to the pastors or the leaders, and the pastors and leaders, should, the heads of the houses should be listening to them. The head of the house is not the wife. Ten people agreed with me. I don't care what the TV shows show. That's why there's so many divorces, and that's why there's so many separations, and that's why there's so many things. And you said your husband wouldn't lead. Well, I can't help that. That's what you have, F-A-I-T-H in your life are so that God can show you wisdom and how to deal with that. But it still doesn't make it R-I-G-H-T for you to lead. And it'll never be right. Man, some holy cows, as Keith says. I think I got a whole herd in here, not just one. You can't change the Bible, guys. I didn't write the Bible just because the world's wanted to go that way. We didn't write the Bible. It ain't never going to change. Guys, you're going to have to step up to the plate. Put the big boy pants on. You're still the head, whether you want to be or not. Yee. Golly. You still got to make the big boy decisions. You still got to say no sometimes. Okay, here we go. Do you know the number one thing I got about the homeschooling? My wife wants my kids to stay home so she can teach them. Shut up, Phyllis. (laughs) Ain't you got no britches, boy? I'm sorry. Do you know how long my husband would let that go in my house? He'd say, can't we hear from God around here? Don't God got no say? Do you know what the problem with that is? Ain't nobody praying in your house. Number one, the head. When the head don't pray, mama gets to say. stepped in the middle of it this morning. I've been listening to Brother Hagin.
begging too much. He don't put up with that kind of stuff. You thought he was tender-hearted and kind. But hey, when it came to things like that, I'm telling you what, he'd sit me in the car with Keith. I'm off on a track now, buddy. And he'd, I'd say, he'd say, Keith, what you going to sing tonight? And I'd say, this is the Holy Ghost. Keith, you need to sing this. And he'd get, he wouldn't say a word in the car. He'd get up in front of the crowd. Oh, yeah. And he'd say, Phyllis, you ain't the head and you ain't the Holy Ghost either. But he'd use me for an example. How many of you ever heard him tell me that in front of a crowd? Oh, yeah. He'd do it all the time. But it's the truth. He'd say there ain't no two heads in a house. Anything with two heads is a freak. (laughs) You ever heard him say it? Oh, he said it lots. And there ain't no two heads in a house. That's where all the strife is. Somebody got to give. He'd say, he'd say this. He'd say, I'd go. And he'd say, I'd always fast Tuesday and Thursday and pray all day. He'd say, because you can't be led unless you pray. Well, the problem with that is, again... Men don't pray, so mama gets to say. So she can convince him anything is God. Because he's concerned that he's missing God already because he ain't praying. So you got devilish wisdom going on in every household left and right. Because daddy ain't praying. So stuff's going on that shouldn't be going on. I ain't confused who's the head of my house. And every person in this room knows I know how to hear from God. But if I walk up here and Keith says, No, Phyllis, that ain't God, then I'm going to go, Shut her down. Because you know why? I am no longer responsible. That's right. Exactly. Amen. If he says it ain't God, then that's between him and the big boy. Now, I don't mean. Boy, I got off into it. Did you not hear what this said about godly wisdom? It's peaceable and it's kind and it's gentle. You can't no way pray and fast two days a week and be mean. Ain't no way you can do that and be mean. I'll just skip ahead here. Boy, we're going to get there. Let's look up what a Pharisee is. Yup. I ain't scared of nothing and nobody except if Keith walks through that. No, I'm just kidding. I guarantee you. I will tell you this. 
I went home and told him almost as verbatim as I could, and I'm sure he listened about the homeschooling stuff, and he said, you did exactly what the Lord told you to do, and I'm pleased with you. So there you have it. In case you were wondering, I wouldn't be up here yet if I didn't. Okay, a Pharisee. You want to know what a Pharisee is? The rest of you got to listen anyway. You're here. You're scared you're going to fit in the group, I guess. You better say yes. Let's try it again. You want to know what a Pharisee is? Yeah. Uh-huh, that's what I thought. It's one of the groups of the Jews who thought, say that word with me, thought. Uh-huh, thought they kept all of God's rules. They did not like the things that Jesus taught. They thought that they never did anything wrong. They thought they were very important and clever. They thought their opinions about religion were always right. They thought they were smarter than most and they became very proud. They tried to obey all of God's laws and they pretended to be holier than thou. So sad. They obeyed many unimportant rules and failed to obey God's most important rules, such as love. Say, that's not me. But often, they refused to listen to any of Jesus' teachings. They cared more about their religion than they did about God and Jesus. But not all the Pharisees acted that way. Now that's sad, isn't it? We don't ever want to fall into that category to where we think we're religious and not love. And the reason I got off on that is because I get to hear the tales of people that sit there and get their Bibles out and they say, hand me your Bible here, Mary Ann. 1 Peter 3, Ephesians. Colossians, I mean, yeah, Colossians, Corinthians. Wives, submit. You're supposed to listen to what I tell you to do, and you better do it. But they forget to go backward just even a verse. One little tiny, 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 tiny little verse that said, Husband, love your wife and be not bitter against her. Where, what? And they forgot about this devilish wisdom that if you cause strife, you're of the D-E, demonic devil. I can't even spell demonic. It's too sad. I don't even want to spell it. But if you're causing that much strife in your household as the head of your household, you're not walking in love. We want godly wisdom in our households and in our marriages. And if there's strife going on in your household and in your marriage, it's because the head is not praying. Because he can stop it. And don't tell me you can't because you can. She may yell and she may scream and she may fuss. But if there ain't nobody to fuss with, it's going to be a short fuss. 
She may throw things and she may do this and she may do that. But you know what? There's such a thing as faith. But we've forgotten about these things. And we just let things just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we yield to this devilish wisdom. And we've heard so much what the world does. And we've heard so much what this neighbor does. And we counsel with this person and we counsel with that person. Instead of counseling with this book. It's devilish wisdom to get into an embattled rage with your spouse or with your boss or with your family. What you should be doing as the head of your house is turning that TV off and getting in a closet somewhere. You've heard Keith say, and the closet was this big. And praying and hearing from God for your house and your family. There's too much... Too much depression going on. There's too much sadness in families going on. There's too much uh, bitterness going on. There's too much anxiety. And what was that word it said? Um, I'll find it here in just a minute. Um, Disorder and uh, uh, confusion and agitation is the word I was looking for. Just that word. Too much agitation going on in families today. And you know why that is? Because it's allowed. Okay, look at me. Everybody look at me. Do you think I could walk in my house today Keith getting ready for a service this week, preparing, getting quiet, praying, fasting, getting ready for this week. And me go in there and start some big, wild, mad uproar. What do you think he would do? (laughs) Answers, please. He'd say, if you're going to start that stuff, you might want to just sit outside today. I haven't done it in 30 years, but I know what he would do because I'm not that stupid anymore. (laughs) I grew up a little bit. But you know what I had to realize? He was not going to put up with that in our house, not because he didn't love me, but just the opposite. He did love me, and he knew that was going to take us down a path of destruction. Do you think we'd be standing here in this church today if I'd have kept yielding to that stuff and yelling and screaming like my family used to do? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you may be the one causing it as the head of the house. There's a way to stop it. You may have to go sit out in your car. Because the house is so busy. Pull it up to the edge of the driveway and pray for three hours. But you find a place. And you find out that there's another person on the inside of you and quit yielding to this person on the outside of you. If you can pinch it, it ain't you. I'm not laughing. If you can slap it and it hurts, it ain't you. 
If she can yell at you and irritate you, it ain't you. You got to get to a place to where somebody can say anything to you. Kick you and it don't hurt. Slap you and it doesn't bother you. Bite you and you bleed and it doesn't hurt. That's you. That's the real you. I should be able to kick Dave. And it don't hurt. Because he's not yielding to that man. He's so built up with that man on the inside of him that no matter what any person in this world does to him, it don't hurt him. He shouldn't have to deal with it, but he can. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Stronger is he that's in you than he that's in this world. But it don't come from eating donuts and watching soap operas and reading Harlequin romance. What, what woman is equipped to lead her household reading Harlequin romances and watching soap operas all day? I've done said it. That's devilish wisdom. What man is ready to lead his household when all he does is watch sports and eat all day? Guys, we are better than this. It's time for us to take a step up to a higher level. We are smarter than this. We are wiser than this. Wisdom will exalt us. Wisdom will say when you start that stuff, it will say, you know better than this boy. You ain't never started an argument with your spouse that inside of you something didn't say, you know better than this boy. It ain't never happened. Not if you're saved. Not if you're not saved. Unless you've just calloused yourself so far. But what's happened is people have totally got away from spending any time with God. And the heads of our households. Raise your hand, head of a household. You know what I think we may need to do? I'm going to talk to Keith about it. We'll do it. We'll hear from God and we'll do it. We may need to start having men's prayer at 4 o'clock in the morning before you go to work here at the church. Get you men learning how to pray again. Shut up, ladies. You ain't got to get up. All the ladies said, yeah. The men were like, I'm serious. I mean, guys, men are supposed to lead their houses. They're supposed to lead them in prayer. They're supposed... I don't know what I would do if my husband wasn't the head of my house. He hears from God. Yes, he expects me to hear from God. And he's constantly asking me, Phil, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think we ought to do about this? What do you think we ought to do about this? But he don't just let me make all the decisions. He's like, that's what I got too. That seems, that seems good. That seems right. But now on the flip side, ladies, you go into him and tell him this is God. 
when you prayed about five seconds while you were eating that bad pizza. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. There are some ladies that do pray. I pray. But that don't make it okay for me to go tell Keith how to run our ministry and how to run our life. He needs to hear from God personally, himself. Then if he asks me, I got an answer. He started teaching on this judgment stuff. I didn't tell him I had been studying judgment for three years. It's good to find out when you're in sync. It just confirms what you have on the inside of you. That makes you go, yeah, that's good. Ladies should pray. But you know the number one thing they should be praying about? See, this is going over like a ton of bricks in a lead balloon. <laughs> but guys, it's, it's not a bad thing if you could ever learn that. There is people in here that have major calls on their life. And the devil is holding them back with harnesses. Because number one, the wife is not praying for the husband. It's this very thing. And you're thinking we're talking about other people and you think I've totally got off track. But I haven't. Read this with me again. Read the devilish in the Amplified. Verse 14. If you have bitter jealousy, James 3:14, and envy and contention, and rivalry, and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do you know that there's more of that in marriages than there is on jobs? See how quiet it got? This one is more spiritual than this one. I can hear from God better than my husband can. If that's not jealousy and bitter envying, and I got it right and you didn't, it's not a competition, guys. It's that we should both be working together to accomplish what God's called us to do. That is devilish wisdom. And that's why you're not getting your money. And that's why you're not getting your healing. And that's why, I mean, that's what Peter talks about. Where you have to be agreed. The, the, your prayers won't even be heard unless you're in agreement. Yeah. And so many people are just going down the tube because husbands and wives don't even tell each other, you're praying this and I'm praying this. And you're, not, you're saying to each other's face, words stink because they don't even mean to each other anymore. You're praying about this because you want this and you're praying about this because you really in your heart want this and there's no agreement there just because you're saying words to each other. God doesn't look at words. He looks at the heart and if she's believing for a house and he's believing for a new truck, it ain't happening. The bitter envying and jealousy should be coming in into our minds and we should be going no 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 that's devilish wisdom the wisdom I want is the peaceable and godly kind I'm willing to do what Abraham did and I'm willing to give Lot whatever he wants and he can have the best of everything if it's going to get rid of this strife 
I'll give my husband. I don't care. He can have everything he wants. But the ministry is more important. Us accomplishing what God wants is way more. He can have it. I don't care. It's just worldly. But we're going to do what God wants. And husbands should be that way with their wife. I don't care what she wants. If it's going to stop this contention, then God can deal with her. Then you've opened a door of faith for God to show you how to fix the situation. But until then, there was not even a door open for God to deal with your heart to be able to say, okay, if you'll just fix this and say this to her, this whole situation will go away just that quick. Because you've been dealing with devilish wisdom. So God can't even exalt you with godly wisdom because you've been so yielding to the selfish, rivalry, devilish wisdom stuff. And if we don't fix it at home, it's not going to get fixed. People are so much into putting themselves up in front of other people and that they want to be the one seen or that they've got something from God. My biggest promoter is my husband. He's the one like, Phil, they, you need to go and, and do the services Friday and Sunday. And Brian said, I'm like, sweetheart. He's like, okay, I'll be there. And I'll be glad and it'll be good. And that was the end of that conversation. That's about how our conversations go. It wasn't no me arguing with him. Well, I've got this to do and I've got this to do. And we've got all of week of increase and I need to be preparing for this. How many of you remember that night we had just got this church ready and we were standing up there and we had worked night and day and night and day. I know Dave remembers it. And he looked at me and he said, and I don't want to say it too loud. I hope he's not watching. Shh. And he said, we're going to have prayer next week. You remember that? And I was so tired, I couldn't hardly breathe because we'd been up night and day trying to get this building ready to go. And he said, Phil, how about you leading prayer all next week during week of increase? And I went. <laughs> and Jill said, she looked at her. She said, you should have bargained with him. <laughs> she's, so, she's so my help. <laughs> and she was right. I should have bargained with him. There was something I wanted at the time, but... I, did, I wasn't smart enough to bargain with him. <laughs> it wasn't anything major. I'll just tell you so you don't think anything bad. When we first got the church, Keith wanted Dave and I and Kim to sit in these seats, and we wanted to sit over there in those seats because people just stare at us all the time, you know? And so we wanted to sit over And he said, no, I want you all sitting here. And we went, hmm. And Jill said, you should have told him you to take, get that other seat if you could leave prayer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff goes on, you know? But anyway, but no... No, it's not. We're not in a competition with each other, guys. The husband and wife should be together. They should be in agreement. It shouldn't be. There's, a, there's really, this is the funniest thing about it, guys. There's really, 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 say really with me, really. only one true way. And there's only really one thing to get first. And the thing about it is, if you would both hear from God, you would be in unison. 
and there wouldn't be any strife. The Where the strife comes in is somebody's not hearing from God. And so the wife will say, well, it's my husband. He's not hearing from God. Great, then it's your fault. You're not praying enough for him. Uh-oh. That's right. That's right. It's your fault. If Keith's missing it and there's a lot of stuff going on and he's getting upset or he's doing this, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I started praying about other stuff and left him out. I started praying about the ministry. I started praying about the finances. I started praying about week of increase. I started praying about this. And I didn't spend enough time praying for him. And anybody can do it. I don't have to tell you all this stuff. But it's still the truth. And if your husband's missing it, left and right, and if he's going off the deep end, and if he's doing stupid stuff, then little girl, get your faith pants on and get your prayer britches on. And the number one thing you should be praying about before a house, before a car, before kids, before anything else, is your spouse hearing from God. And you get that right, and your whole life is going to fall into place. It's just like you praying for your pastors hearing from God. When you get that right, everything starts falling into place. And life becomes so sweet and so good. And the money starts pouring in. And the love, the love. Because do you know what? He can't give you no loves unless he's got some loves. Do you know that? And those Harlequin romances and those soap operas ain't got no loves. They just lies. <laughs> and the more you read them, the more messed up you're going to get. Because the only true love is in this book. Glory. Glory, glory, glory. You want to know what a Sadducee is? They're sad, you see. Because they don't believe in angels or any spirits. They don't even really believe you have a spirit inside of you. That's sad, you see. They don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They don't believe you're going to get any reward when you go to heaven. That's really sad. They don't believe in any punishment or existence. So um, that's really sad. We don't want to be Pharisees and Sadducees. We want to know. You know, the thing about it is, I think about it this way. And don't write a doctrine on this because you know my blonde hair, okay? And I did get a bunch of letters on it, and mostly the homeschooling stuff was good, so thank you. Um, I think about it this way. Say... Who's your favorite person you'd want to hear in concert? Nobody's going to say because they're embarrassed. Okay, never mind. You know, okay. Anyway, I still like George Strait. Okay, and everybody's trying to think of a Jesus person. Okay, anyway, I still like George Strait. All right, anyway. Okay, I'm not as spiritual as you. Okay? Anyhow. Say he was going to be in concert or your favorite person was going to be in concert. And they said, if you'll show up and you just have your driver's license, you can get in. 
but they also had tickets. And I said, you know what? I don't want to miss this. I think I'm going to get a ticket just in case I misheard that or something wasn't right. I'm going to get me a ticket. I don't want to miss it. How many of you would go with me to see George Strait? That's what I thought. The rest of you's lying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't get your panties in a bunch. I'd get a ticket because I'd want to be safe. Well, I think that's what's happening with so much that's going on in the world today. I think people are trying to scrape by without a ticket in hopes that this other stuff is right. In hopes that grace is going to get them by. What if it don't? I still want my ticket. I know I'm going to get in because I'm going to repent if I do something wrong. And I'm going to do what this book says to the best of my knowledge. But the thing about it is, like the Pharisees and like everybody else, we don't know everything. We know in part. And we need to be willing to admit that we don't know everything. And you could be wrong about something. So get your ticket. Cover your bases. Make sure you're right. Be open if God says, wisdom says this. Don't be so adamant about everything that you've got to argue and argue and be an arguer. You're not a lawyer. Well, maybe you are, but shut it up when you get home. <laughs> Keith used to tell me, Phil, were you supposed to be a lawyer? Because it, was, it didn't matter what it was. If he said it was black, I was going to say it was light gray. Because <laughs> I just like to prove my point. You know, and, and you have to break yourself of that. You shouldn't want to argue all the time about something. Arguing is not a good thing. Arguing is not... Say that with me. Arguing, Arguing. is not a good thing. If somebody says it's black, say... Black it is. You don't always have to be 100% right. Somebody else can be right. <gasps> they passed out. But it's the truth. And to think that your spouse could be right about something, and you know, or you could just let them think they were right. Imagine that. Golly, it would be, what, what new marriages we would have around here if your spouse actually thought they were right and that those plaid pants did go with that striped shirt. Sheesh. And that their hair really did look good like that. You don't have to lie. But you know what? You don't have to argue either. You know? You can just be so kind and just smile and wave. <laughs> you know, we, we should be a people that is loving, guys, and peaceable. Whatever promotes peace is who you are. That's another way of saying love. But if you see that something is beginning to agitate you and it's not promoting peace, 
it's time to step aside and, and find your prayer place and realize that there's somebody else on the inside of you and say, this is not me. And just get quiet. Just, because you know what's happening? Whether you argue with them or not, God's dealing with them. Because they're saved. God's dealing with them. And you arguing with them ain't going to fix it. But you know, he telling them something, just that quick could be fixed. Just that quick could change things in their heart. But your arguing with them confuses them. And they think they're arguing with you instead of hearing from God. And we don't want that, do we? How many of you want godly wisdom? How many of you want to totally quit judging? See, the thing about this other wisdom is you're setting yourself up for your future of it continuing on and on and on with somebody else. I don't want that happening in my life. I don't want Keith to have a reason or anybody else to have a reason to be devilish with me. Do you understand that? That's what you're doing. If you're devilish with somebody else, you're setting yourself up for someone to be devilish with you. Raise your hand if you want devilish. Look at, oh, but better wait. Better wait. Raise your hand if you want devilish stuff in your future. Absolutely not. Raise your hands if you want godly stuff in your future. That's me. Stand to your feet if you would, please.